Well, you had an interesting event the other night. <laughs> interesting isn't the word I'd use, really. But, so, oh, yeah, it was uh, bizarre. So you were at a book club in... No, I was speaking to the Burwood Historical Society. They oh, right. asked me over to talk about my book, Elizabeth and Lisbeth. Um, so we're talking about early colonial Australia. And um, we were at the community centre in Burwood, and unfortunately the, the room next to us was booked by a Chinese drumming association. Drumming and gongs. <laughs> and the noise was absolutely deafening. Yeah. And I didn't have a microphone, and so I basically, rather than a talk, I did a shout to the members there. <laughs> just it was get, awful. <laughs> just to give everybody a, a sense of what you were competing with, here's what it sounded like. Glad to hear the show must go on, Sue. <laughs> I gamely just uh, yelled my <laughs> talk and uh, people kind of strained to hear me. And uh, I, I think they kind of thought I was quite game for continuing, really. But, um, oh, well, I'd gone there and it was it was kind of funny, really, yeah. particularly afterwards. That's show business. Yes. <laughs> We'd better get on with our main business, which is the Flat Chat Wrap. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Well, after our story last week, uh, where we were talking about caretaker management contracts and how they're pre-sold, a story came up. It is actually from the Strata Community Australia in Queensland, which is the Strata Manager's professional body, about a, a building in Ipswich called My High Grove, which mm. is like Wi-Fi, but it's My High. Oh. I don't know what that comes from. Anyway, mm. these poor people, they've been hit by floods three times. Uh, last two big floods, uh, I think 2011, 2030, and then the recent ones. The building is uninhabitable. Oh, no. So they've all moved out. They've all had to move out. Mm. The Queensland government has a buyback project for homes that have been rendered uninhabitable by floods and natural disasters. They can't buy this building back because 80% of the owners want to sell, obviously. Right. They, want, they want to get the money, get out. But Queensland doesn't have a collective sales arrangement in its laws. And collective sales means that you can have just 75% of owners can vote to extinguish their strata title, can't you? That's right, yeah. Um, and the other 25% has to go along with the majority then. Yeah. And that, that was introduced a few years ago, wasn't it? it was 2016, from, I think. Yeah, it was changed from 100% yeah. in New South Wales. So Queensland is still 100%. You have to get all the owners to agree to something. Everywhere else is 100%. Mm. It's only New South Wales. And... It's difficult. In this case, 80% of the owners want to sell the, the building back to the government for obvious reasons. 20% are either saying no for their own reasons or they can't be contacted because they're overseas investors. Oh, oh, no. So they can't get the 100% vote. And what about the other 5%? 
What other 5%? You said... <laughs> I said 80%. Oh, 80. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Welcome to our weekly maths class. <laughs> so basically, they can't get the numbers. And then as Laura Boss, who's the general manager of SCA Queensland, says, even if they could get... agreement to sell, they would then have to buy out the stupid pre-sold management contract. Oh, my God. The caretaker manager's got a contract with the building, and it says that they've got to pay X amount of money every year for their services, and if they extinguish the strata, then they're left with a, a contract that's worth nothing, so they have to be compensated. Wow. And how long do we know how long that management contract is? I have is? no idea. But I'm it could not, conceivably be up to 25 years, which is to, a yeah. hell of a lot of money. Absolutely. Um, so it's just one obstacle after another. Apparently, the mayor of Brisbane is pushing hard to get the laws on collective sales or forced sales or whatever you want to call it mm. brought into line with New South Wales because there's all these old properties in Brisbane and around that area and down the Gold Coast, which, you know, just in the last 25 years, we've seen how the technology of building has changed. And you can put bigger, cleaner, safer, healthier buildings with more apartments in them on the same footprint as some of these old brick buildings. But the Developers Act can't get in to do this because... It, all it takes is one person in the building to say, well, I'm not selling. Oh, jeez. What a terrible dilemma. Yeah. It's actually, <laughs> remember years ago, I, uh, somebody approached me and said, would you be the figurehead of the Strata Party in New South Wales? Oh, for the election kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I said, okay, well, policies, how do you feel about collective sales or forced sales? And they said, I'm 100% against it. I said, well, I'm 100% for it. And that was it. That was the end of my political career. But it's a very emotive question because people on the one hand will say, if somebody wants to live in the house that they've lived in all their lives and raise their children in whatever, or their flat, I should say, not their house, why should anybody be able to force them out? And the other argument is if you've got the vast majority of people in a building who want to sell, why should one or two people Mm. be be able to deny them their right to do what they want with their property? Yeah. I think 75% was too low a threshold. I would have put it at 80%, which I think is the threshold in Singapore. Mm. But uh, even so, it allows for the renewal of buildings um, that have passed their use-by date. Yeah. And I think it's a great idea because when it was 100%, I mean, a lot of people who were barracking for the for the number to stay at 100% were kind of saying, you know, you can't um, chuck an elderly woman maybe out of the home that she's enjoyed forever. Yeah. But the problem is, it's, it's often not an elderly woman who wants to stay in that place. It's yeah. often one person who thinks, oh, I could make extra money. If I say to this developer, look, you're going to have to pay me double and then I'll agree and then you can actually take the whole building. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, human nature being what it is, there's always some chances around Mm. who try and do that kind of thing. So we we can stereotype it as, you know, an elderly person Mm. who is helpless and just wants to hang on to her memories or his memories. But in fact, it's often somebody who thinks they might be able to make a quick buck Mm. out of a difficult situation. Mm. And I mean, there are so many checks and balances in the 
New South Wales rules. Like, first of all, you've got to get the agreement of a majority to form a committee to look into the collective sale. The committee has to report back with options, like, the, you know, here are a couple of developers who want to do X and the other one wants to do Y. The owners then have a meeting, they consider these, and then there's a three-month cooling-off period. And then the owners come back together, and if they get the 75% vote in terms of unit entitlements, they then have to get letters of agreement from 75% of the lot owners. So it's a unit entitlement thing, and it's a lot owner thing. And then, ultimately, they have to take that whole case to the Land and Environment Court and get it approved. So there's lots of checks and balances so there. So even really. right up to the end, anybody can come in and say, I don't want to do this. I'm not getting a fair deal. You know, this. I'm not being compensated enough for the disruption to my life. Mm. Uh, even if you're just calculating it all on unit entitlements, that's not fair on me because I'm the one who's I'm suffering more than anyone else, that kind of thing. And the Land and Environment Court can adjust or reject. And I think um, you were telling me that the the owner's corporation has to pay the legal bills of the person who's challenging the collective sale. That's right. So, you know, it's a lot of barriers in there to stop people being bullied out of their homes. Sure. And what do you think? It's really quite hard to get 75% of unit owners to agree on anything anyway. Mm. If anybody's ever been to an Strata AGM. <laughs> yeah. It's um. really, really difficult. Um, yeah, I'm just doing a story at the moment about um, people wanting to sell airspace on their buildings. Mm. And many of the buildings who think it would be great to sell airspace, either burrowing into their um, the, the roof space yep. or have, allowing building uh, another apartment to be built on top that they can sell and then they can spend that money on upgrading their building. It's really hard, and most of them fall over on the fact that they just can't get 75% of owners to agree. Yeah, and they've got no chance if they have to, in other states, they have to get 100%. Yeah. It goes back to the mentality of my home is my castle. I have this flat. This is inviolate. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can tell me what to do with it. Instead of it being apartment uh, living, is all about community yeah, living. Yeah, and that's the... the phase that we're going through at the moment is people uh, finding out what it's like to live in apartments. Anyway, the poor, these poor people in Ipswich are stuck with this building. The government wants to give them money to compensate. 80% of them want to get out and they can't do it because the law doesn't allow it. Oh, how terrible. When we come back, we're going to talk about things that are happening with the election on the horizon and how suddenly mascot towers has back into the limelight and uh, has become a focus for a lot of political attention. That's after this. Mascot towers. It's gone up to four years since the mascot towers residents discovered cracking in the basement of their building and, and going up through the walls and were told to get out before it all fell down on their heads. The government at the time, which is the same government as we have now, subsidised their rents so that they could go and live somewhere until the whole thing was Sorted resolved. Out, yeah. yeah, And that's where they've been. I mean, there's been various court cases. They took the adjoining uh, developers uh, to court to try and prove that their digging the foundations of their building next door had caused the cracking in mascot towers. That was settled out of court, I think. And uh, there's never been a figure put on how much compensation the owners got, but it wasn't enough. Mm. Um, 
Around about this time last year, the short-lived fair trading minister, Eleni Petinos, announced that the rent subsidies would end in June last year, and then in May last year announced that, no, 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 that was never going to happen. They're still going to get their rent <laughs> subsidised. Mm. Mm. Okay, so basically you've got something like 130 families and or investors who are sitting, waiting, this building is just sitting there. Apparently the rooms still have furniture in it. Sure. And, so they're uh, all just in limbo, really. Yeah. Waiting to see what's going to happen. So the Labour Party has come up with an idea. They're saying that if they're elected, they will give the owners low-cost loans so they can borrow the money to fix up the building. Because mm. they believe that if they do a buyback, the owners will only get 20% of the value of their apartments. So they're saying, well, we'd rather guarantee low-cost loans so that you can put the money back into the building, fix it up, move back in, get your homes back, and hold on to the value that you've, you've already put into the, the, the block. Mm. That sounds reasonable. It does. And now Mr. our friend Victor Dominello has said this is ridiculous because these people are already burdened with debt and they don't need any more debt piled on them. And in any way, the Labour Party doesn't know how much it will take to fix the problem, mm. which yes. is fair enough too, actually. So Courtney Hussas, who is the shadow fair trading minister, is the one who's put up the idea of the low-cost loans to fix the building. The alternative that um, the soon-to-depart Mr. Domenello has put up is he's created a commission for the building commissioner, David Chandler, who's going to investigate what is required to fix the building, how much it's going to cost and how it could be done. Well, that's good, but why that is are we also only good. waiting now, just before the election, for something like this to happen? Because there's an election happening. Yes. And they've been quietly forgotten. But isn't that shocking? You know, it takes an election to shine a light on such a terrible, tragic story. Yeah. And for action and to solutions, start happening. Uh, there's potential solutions there. Yeah, and that they possibly agree on, because if David Chandler puts the figure on it and then the Labour Party comes in, if he comes into power, they could just action that. This is what I'm going to be saying in my column in the Fin Review this weekend, which is these are two good ideas which are not mutually exclusive. Let David Chandler do his work, and we all trust him. We know he'll do it properly. And then when it's been worked out what's required, let's put in the low-cost loan and guaranteed loans so that the work can be done. And the thing about Mr Chandler is after the election, he will still be there. Yes, he'll be the constant. Mr Dominello will definitely not be there because he's retiring from politics. Um, Courtney Hussas may be the fair trading minister after if Labour win the election. If not, then somebody else will be in there and, and it will be a new fair trading minister. So I'm saying let's have a, a non-partisan, a bipartisan agreement mm. on this. Get your heads together and say whoever wins, we're going to fix this problem in this way. We're going to get David Chandler to work out how to fix it and then we will guarantee the loans required to make that happen. That would be the humane, decent, and reasonable, reasonable, and non-political thing to do. That's right. Which is possibly which is, why it, it won't will never ever, happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, isn't it terrible? 
elections throw up so many good ideas mm. and you think, well, you know, have these ideas been dormant for all these all these years and they've just been waiting for the election to bloom? And then, they, then they're quietly forgotten again. Well, oh, yeah. Somebody was they're talking sanctioned. Somebody was talking about the the plan, the perennial plan to have a fast train line down the east coast. Basically, Brisbane, Newcastle, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, mm. right? Fast train, like the Japanese have, yeah, and have had for about a quarter of a century. <laughs> and somebody was saying, uh, "Look, this is the eleventh time that this has come up as a proposal. It took fourteen times." for the second Sydney airport to be built to actually be agreed on because it was proposed every mm. election. Mm. So, so they're saying that this is quite hopeful. We're, we're getting to the point now where they're actually going to have to stop suggesting it and actually do it. <laughs> but that's election, that's politics for you. I mean, you dug mm. out something from the newspaper about electric vehicle charging. Yeah. Matt Keane is proposing that strata laws will be reformed to make it easier for people who don't have access to off-street parking to charge their cars. And he says the reforms will make it possible for people living in apartment buildings to have charges without necessarily pushing the costs onto all residents. Right. Which is kind of interesting because, you know, we're, we're having lots of apartment buildings now which are getting ready for EVs yep. and they're installing the, the infrastructure necessary. Yep. But the whole, you know, all residents have to pay for that. All owners have to pay yep. for that. But then, you know, sometimes people with EVs have to pay extra to access the, that infrastructure. Yeah. So I guess it's just making the whole thing much easier and well, much more simple for people to do. I mean, the thing is, it's a complicated proposal because – Right now, anybody can stick a meter on a PowerPoint, a common property PowerPoint in their garage, stick a meter on it, use the common property electricity off peak and say, you know, here's the meter. This, this shows you how much I owe you. Very simple. Cause there's only, you know, two or three electric cars in most buildings. There's a lot of electric cars on their way. Yeah. And some of the buildings won't even allow people to plug into the common electricity and pay for it. They no. say, oh, no, no, we can't do it. It's too complicated. We don't have the software to deal with that. We don't have a line in our spreadsheet to deal with that, which is ridiculous. Mm. But what then happens is once some people see other electric cars in the building, they think, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to do that. Mm. And then it becomes a burden on the electricity supply. Now, it's not a burden after 7 o'clock in the evening. Before that, from about five till seven, that is apparently when most electricity is used in most buildings. Yeah, cooking it's, dinner and things. And lifts going up and down and all mm. that stuff. There are systems that will say, right, between these hours, we're taking the electricity supply away from the, the EV charging and we're putting it into the building use and then it'll come back on when we can do that. Kind of off-peak. Yeah, mm. and, and, and this is significant for apartments because apparently apartment owners or residents or tenants are more likely to change their cars. They change more often and they've also shown that they're early adopters of new technology because, as we know, all apartment owners and residents are smarter than everybody else. <laughs> so... It's interesting that they're bringing in legislation to make it easier. I mean, they've already got a thing in the New South Wales uh, strata laws that any changes to common property that are sustainable uh, only require a 50% vote. They don't require a 75% special resolution. Mm. 
Yeah. So this is the next phase on that, specifically targeted at EV charging. Yeah, absolutely. But it might not make very much difference because the the legislation that's there at the moment is actually quite good. Yeah. But and they're they only to- saying they'll introduce this if they win the election. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Again, again. So I have uh, worked out why we will not be getting an electric car. Why is that? Because the reason we would get an electric car is just so that we're not contributing to Climate global warm, global mm. warming. But that only works if you buy your electric car and drive your old car to a wreckers yard and have it crushed into a little cube of metal. Because then you're actually making a, a benefit. Whereas if we sell the car and buy an electric car, then somebody who drives a car a lot more than we do, because we hardly drive our car anywhere, will take the car and be driving it all over the place, and then it will be a net loss on the environment. So I'm sorry, that's why you're not getting an electric car. Wow. Well, <laughs> may I suggest that we get rid of our car and you get an e-scooter like my e-scooter, and then we'd be even less of a burden on the environment. No, because we'll still have some hoon driving around in our little sporty Audi S1. That's true. And then you've got a hoon driving around on an e-scooter as well. Because I've only hit one person so far, but you might hit many more because you go much faster than I do. And I don't care about people. (gasps) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And on that note, thank you for bringing all those things to our attention. It'd be interesting to see if Queensland... I think Queensland is in such a mess with strata. You spoke to somebody the other day, and they say, oh, we've got these inquiries going on, and they're they're going to change the legislation there. But there's so many vested interests there that don't want the legislation changed in any significant way. That's right. And their government inquiry into strata, it's been going on for about four years now. So, you know, will it ever end? And produce a report that people will act on. Well, exactly. And because nobody cares about people who live in strata, apart from the people who live in strata, then it will not happen any time soon. Unless, of course, there's an election in Queensland, in which case it will suddenly become really important. (laughs) All right, so thanks again for giving up part of your Sunday. Okay, pleasure. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap Podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.